This is the um, kind of the last of our Christmas series of God with us. And it's been a very interesting Christmas for me. How about you guys? Have you had anything unusual this season at all? Joy and mercy. Joy and mercy. Awesome. I feel like um, <laughs> for a while now, Christmas has been real, real hard. It sometimes doesn't, doesn't feel very um, full of joy and everything that we see on the, the um, TV. I, um, I raised my kids in Highlands Ranch up there for, I lived there for about 19 years. And if any of you are familiar with Highlands Ranch, it's a very, mm, <laughs> maybe unrealistic is a way to say it. It's, it's, uh, it, it's this bubble of the way the perfect life is supposed to be, right? And when my kids were little, and when I was um, not so involved with the church, I would do bunko and, you know, take my kids to the rec center. And I was just looking through pictures the other day of Emma. We had some pictures when she was taken, um, like, second or third grade. And I looked at her, and I was like, oh, my gosh, look how beautiful her outfit is and her hair. I had it together back then, you know. I remember I would take her to Lolly Locks and get her hair done before we'd go and get her pictures just for regular picture day. And my, Emma looks at her hair. She goes, Mom, my hair looks so good. <laughs> I'm like, I know. I really had it, back, I had it together back then. I don't, and I don't, I don't know what happened, but I don't have it together anymore, just so you know. But my point is, there was this unrealistic bubble in Highlands Ranch that everything should look a particular way and that Christmas should look a particular way and feel a particular way and we should all have it together and nobody's suffering and we have all have plenty of money to buy presents and we're not crazy stressed out and everyone's full of loving kindness towards each other. And I don't know why I thought that was really real but that didn't last real long in my life just so you know because real life happened to me and Christmas became somewhat hard because Christmas is a time for many people when you miss the people that are supposed to be around your table for one reason or another, right? And I think the older we get, the more we kind of fall out of what the world's I idealistic bubble says it should be and we begin to come up against the reality of what, what our life really is, right? And for some, I want to talk today about what do we do when Christmas or life is not what we want it to be or what we think it should be. You know, one thing I learned in Celebrate Recovery, I'll, I'll preach Celebrate Recovery the rest of my life, Bob. But one thing I learned in Celebrate Recovery is that I was hanging on to an ideal of the way things should look. And unfortunately, there's no such thing as that in today's world. I believe heaven is our ideal, and I believe we get to strive for heavenly ideals, but we'll never fully realize that till we get to heaven. And on earth, it's just a, it's a faint shadow of what it should be. And that was hard for me to accept. It was hard for me to get there. But I want to talk about some ways that we can strengthen ourselves in the Lord when we come up against our unmet expectations of Christmas or even this world. You know, um, We've been going through it in my family. You know, we've had some disappointments this month that have been hard to deal with. My, um, my daughter's friend, Dusty, his um, brother overdosed two days ago. 
and his mother is a, a paramedic and she didn't have money to do the funeral so she did a GoFundMe to raise money so they'd have money for the, all those expenses and that was three four days right before Christmas my heart breaks for her yeah. breaks for her <clears throat> so like David we're going to strengthen ourselves in the Lord we're going to remember a couple of things you know we've been talking about what it means to live in the kingdom and you know, living in the kingdom is going to be different than living in the world it doesn't mean it's going to be easy it's still going to be hard, but just like the United States has a constitution or a bill of rights that kind of defines what the United States stands for, the kingdom has some foundational pillars that we have to remember if we're going to live in the kingdom because we're going to come up against disappointments all the time. And I just want to suggest three things today that are foundational pillars that we have to get a hold of if we're going to live in the kingdom and be victorious and persevere. And there are these three things. We're going to remember who God is. We're going to remember what he's done and remember that he's on the throne no matter what. Those three things I want you to remember when you come up against hard times, you're going to say, who is God? What has he done? And God is on the throne. And I'm not going to forget that. So we're going to talk about those things. And before I get going, I need to get this on the audio. This is Emma Clodfelder's sermon, just so you know. Because the other day we were coming back from um, Highlands Ranch, where we seem to go all the time, and we were kind of talking about some of the disappointments that we've experienced this week. And Emma's like, I hate Christmas. I hate it. It's terrible. And I said, Emma, I said, we are not letting Christmas get us, girl. We are going to kick its butt. That's what I tell <laughs> And we began to pray, and we talked about... Um, we talked about what we were going through. I said, Emma, we're just going to pray, and we're going to realize that, that Christmas isn't the end, beginning and end of our experience here on earth. It's one day, and we're going to focus on what God has done and not what's going on in our circumstances. Because I believe the thing that he wants to teach us is that we've got to find joy in the journey and not look at the circumstances for our joy, or we're going to always be under it. And I know it's hard. You guys, listen. Divorce... <coughs> I was just at my, uh, one of my lawyers, I was taking like some gifts, you know, like some business gifts, and we were talking about how divorces start to ramp up in December and really get, um, it gets busy in January and February. It's December to Valentine's Day are the busiest days of the, of the year for divorced lawyers. Every, everything falls apart at Christmas, man. People just can't handle it, you know. And I just told them, I said, we are going to buy gum, we're going to learn how to have joy in this journey. We will be kingdom dwellers. We're going to be above our circumstances and not defined by our circumstances. If it's the last thing I do, we're going to learn that, right. you know? So we started talking about it, and she said, Mom, she said, really, we should look at Mary and Joseph because they had more stress than anybody. I'm like, yeah, you know, you're right. <laughs> they went through a lot of stress. To, to produce, to give us what we have. So we're going to kind of look at that, if that's okay with you guys. So the first thing I want to talk about is we're going to remember who God is. And there's, there's one thing that we all have to agree on today. And, and if you don't agree on it, okay. I'm just going to challenge you to get in the Bible and get with other believers. But the first thing that we're going to agree on is that he's completely good that there is no evil in him, and his heart is favor towards us, and his heart is good towards us. And we have got to, that has got to be something we plant our feet on, and we do not move, that he is good and has good plans for us. 
First John 1 5 says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Psalm 145 9 says, The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. And Psalm 105 says, For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Here's the thing, you guys. When when the going gets tough, God is still with us. He is still faithful. He has said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. In the Bible, he represents himself in the Old Testament as a husband, in the New Testament as a bridegroom and as a savior. He's our husband, he's our rescuer, and he's our helper. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He represents himself as somebody who is always for us, always working things out for us. The scripture says, all things work for good for those that love the Lord and called according to his purposes. So there's one thing that we have to agree on today. We have to stand on and not ever let it go. And that's God is good. His heart is for us. He has good plans for us. And when we feel like life is getting us down, we remember, wait a minute, God's on my side. God's on my side. This is one of my favorite. I can't read you the whole psalm, but this is one of my favorite passages in the Old Testament, and it's from Psalm 37. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. That is God's promises to us. Though we stumble, we're not going to fall because God is with us and he's for us. The second thing that we have to do is that we have to remember what God has done. I always like telling the story because, you know, there's that one song where I lift my Ebenezer. Do you guys know that? I was talking to Chris and Chris is like, what the heck is an Ebenezer? You know, and then we always think of Ebenezer Scrooge because that's the only thing that we ever put that in. But I want to tell you what an Ebenezer really is, you guys. So in the Old Testament, in the time of the judges, at the very last of the judges was Samuel. And Samuel was leading the people. And here's what's interesting. There began to be revival and restoration in Israel, revival and repentance. So don't you know, right in the middle of revival and repentance, the enemy stirred up the Philistines and the Philistines began to attack Israel while they're in the midst of this revival and repentance. And they were really, you know, freaked out. They didn't know what to do. Samuel prayed to the Lord and the Lord supernaturally delivered the Philistines or delivered, yeah, delivered the Israelites from the Philistines. And so what Samuel did was he put a stone right at the place where the Philistines were routed. They were, they were um, pushed back into their own land, and they didn't come and bother the Israelites for many years because it was such a sound defeat. It was a huge defeat. And so Samuel put a stone, and that stone is called an Ebenezer. So Ebenezer means stone of help. That's what the Ebenezer is. So what we need to do is when we are struggling with what's going on, we have to go back and look at our own Ebenezers. What's, what's the Ebenezers that God has placed in our life that we get to go back and look at and say, that's where God helped me. That's, that's where God was. That's where I saw supernatural strength. Another note here, you guys, when they were experiencing revival and repentance, is when the enemy came hard after them. 
So I just want to say sometimes what you're struggling through is getting you to the next place, either with trust in the Lord. Um, you're, you're beginning to become more mature in the Lord. You're, you're stepping out in faith. That's when the enemy is going to really come at you and try to um, take your eyes away from what God is doing. And he's going to try to bring you down so that you don't trust the Lord. You've got to place a stone of Ebenezer. I, if, if, <coughs> if you do anything tonight, I want, you to, I want you to stand and look back on all the things in your life, how God delivered you. And how he was your Ebenezer. And when you get discouraged, I mean, I want you to write it out on a piece of paper. Stick it up on your mirror. Stick it on your refrigerator. Do whatever you have to do. But when you get discouraged, you go back and go, nope, November such and such, God did this. Such and such day, God did this. The Lord delivered me from cancer. The Lord restored my marriage. The Lord brought me through. You're going to remember your Ebenezers. We're going to remember what God has done for us and for the people around us. And as a people and as a community, we get to claim it all for all of us. What God did for you, he'll do for you. Right? Because that's who God is. Because he works in supernatural ways, and he's completely good, and he's done good things, and he'll continue to do good things. So the third thing I want to talk about, and this is a really big one, we have to remember that God is on the throne. Sometimes... We get real, like, what is it? Um, yeah, is it near vision? Nearsighted. And we're in so much pain that we can only see what's going on around us. Um, one time I was moving something out of my garage, and something fell on my little pinky, and it, it like, pinched it so hard that, like, my eyes, the pain made my, my, my vision go in like this. Like I was not able to even attend to the world around me because the pain was so extreme. I couldn't even see things. Like my, my eyes closed down. I was in such pain. Have you ever felt just that kind of physical pain where you're like, don't speak to me, don't talk to me, don't ask me for anything. I cannot talk to you right now. Sometimes, um, sometimes our emotional pain gets that way our circumstances, we become nearsighted and our vision closes down. We can't see things around us and we can't attend to people around us because we're in so much pain. But just because that's all we see doesn't mean that's all that's there, right? Um, I just, let's think about Mary and Joseph for a minute. We know the story. Mary was a teenager. She became pregnant for the Holy Spirit. Just like, didn't you love that video? Wasn't that awesome? You guys have seen it before, right? But it's such a cute video. And she becomes pregnant. And let's talk about stress. Let's talk about anxiety. Let's talk about pressure. You're a teenager. You're Abby McLean's age. And all of a sudden, in a very legalistic society, you're found out to be pregnant. And not only that, but you're telling people it's from God. You know, I'm sure they're like, what are you? Now you're mentally unstable and promiscuous. Like, what's going on there, right? Not only are you, you know, pregnant, but you're trying to blame it on God, right? So I imagine Mary received a lot of um, pressure and anxiety and stress from her culture. And then we've got Joseph, who um, doesn't want to do the wrong thing, the right thing would be to stone her, possibly. So he quietly decides to set her aside. 
And then an angel comes to him and says, oh, by the way, yeah, she's telling the truth. Yeah, I know that nobody believes her, and everyone's going to think you're a cuckold. You know what that is, right? Do you know that word? Oh, what's, what's the right word, Bob? Cuckold is an old-fashioned word for someone who's been cheated on. So she's cheated on you, and she's lying to you, and you're going to believe her you're a fool. Your society's going to think you're a fool. You know, and yet he has to say, you know what? I'm going to do the right thing because I believe God, and I'm going to take her as my wife, and I'm going to raise, I guess, the Son of God as my own. <laughs> you know, so if we really just think about that, that seems to me to be a very stressful situation for them. I would have a lot of anxiety if I was either one of them. To top it off, we always think that, um, <laughs> I liked in there how they had the little golf cart that Mary went to Bethlehem on a, a, a donkey or slash a camel, according to them, right? Well, there's no proof of that. The, the chances are she probably walked the whole way. That was 65 miles. She, pregnant. That's why she gave birth in Bethlehem, because she went into labor from doing all that walking, right? <laughs> 60 miles. I know. You're my Mary. <laughs> 60 miles, possibly, she walked from, um, I think it was Nazareth, to, to Bethlehem. And then you get there, and you're in labor, and oh, by the way, they got nothing for you. No place for you to stay. Go out in the field, and we hope you make it. She was stressed out. Joseph was stressed out. They didn't have anything. They weren't rich. They weren't in a palace. Furthermore, they were probably mocked and ridiculed for what they said they believed. If any time would be a time for someone to give up, it would be then, right? But what they did was they realized that God is on the throne, and what he says doesn't come back void, and they persevered, and they believed what he said. And you guys, we've got to persevere through our circumstances because Mary persevered and Joseph persevered. The Son of God was born they didn't see the fruit of that perseverance right away. It wasn't only till 33 years later that they saw the fruit of believing God and persevering through their circumstances. It took 33 years for Jesus, 30 years for him to come into his ministry, and then 33 years for him to die on the cross for us. They could have been ridiculed for 30 years for what they believed. That was a lot of stress. But you know what, you guys? They believed three things. They stood on three things. God is good. What he's done before, he'll do again. And he's on the throne. You may not understand what you're going through. You may, you may not understand why you're going through it, but God is on the throne. And he'll take your circumstances, and he'll turn them around, and he'll use them for his glory because that's who he is, and that's what he does. You know, um, we look back at just in the Old Testament. You know, Abraham and... Um, Sarah, how long did they have to wait for their promised child? He was 100, and she was 90-something, and yet God came through. They had to wait, and they had to persevere, and they had to believe God. You, you know, Nelson Mandela, <coughs> he's hailed as a big leader in South Africa. He brought um, racial reconciliation after apartheid. He was 27 years in prison, 27 years in prison before God was able to use him 
to bring reconciliation to his nation. So yeah, we might be going through some stress, you guys. It might be a week or a month or it might be years. But there is nothing too long that God can't use and he is on the throne. I just want to finish up with this scripture. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So we are going to um, finish up our, oh, we have a video to show. I want to show you guys a video that I think really embodies the mystery of what God does in our midst that we don't sometimes see because we don't see the whole picture. Pastor Bob talks a lot about how God is always multitasking. He may be doing one thing with you and one thing with you, but you don't see how they relate. This is a video that I want you to see how maybe some things relate behind the scenes that we don't always get to see. And then we're going to do, Lori, if you would get our um, candles ready, we're going to do our can. You've got candles in front there, you guys. I beg of you, please do not spill wax anywhere or I will get in trouble. This was carefully handcrafted. Do you see that, John? Yes. And we are going to, after our video, we're going to sing Silent Night, and we're going to light our candles and have a a precious Christmas Eve Eve candle lighting. There it is. I've never done this before, but I did this. I'm making this for myself. I'm just working today, Christmas Eve. It's two o'clock in the afternoon, and customer comes and gets me and tells me that there is a young man who is stealing stuff, and he has his pockets bulging, and tells me what he looks like. And I go out. Yeah, you do. Of course, and he's got stuff bulging out of his pant pockets and his sweatshirt. And I approached him and said, you know, do you need help with anything? Are you doing okay? And he said, yeah, yeah. And he didn't, he just looked distraught. And he started for the door. And I said, I said, sir, please don't leave. And he walked out the door. So I followed him to the sidewalk. And I thought, okay, you're not supposed to follow him any farther than that. So I, I, I stopped and then I went around the corner and he was standing in his uh, next to the in his truck. So I went to take a picture of his license plate and he said he stood in front. He came back and stood in front of it and he said um, he said please don't do that please don't do that. And I said well <coughs> I said I will call the police if you don't give me my merchandise back. I said I don't care about what's going on. I said just give me my merchandise back. And he said, will, will you please not call the police? And I said, if you bring it in and you let me have merchandise, then we'll call it even. And he said, okay. He said, but can we do it someplace where people don't stare at me? And I said, sure, we'll go over in the corner. So I went over there, and he started, I got two baskets, and he started pulling out merchandise. And he pulled out toys and candy and Christmas items and bows and tape and a couple little decorations. And I said, 
is this stuff for your kids for Christmas? And he, he teared up and he said, yeah, I don't have any money to get him anything. And I said, how many kids do you have? And he said, three. And he said, well, I have two, but I'm also taking care of my nephew. I said, okay. So he stepped, he kept pulling things out. And I had two baskets, carry baskets full of them. And I said, okay, follow me. And he, and he just kind of looked at me funny, but he followed me up. And I had, I went to the checkouts and I had Sue at the checkouts um, ring everything up for him. And I said, I'm going to get this stuff for you because I don't want you to go to jail on Christmas Eve. I don't want your kids to be devastated that you're not there for Christmas, and I don't want you to go to another store and, and, and get yourself in trouble. I just don't want that to happen. And I, I was fine. I didn't cry or anything. I was so, I was so calm. And then he went over and sat down by the window, and he started to cry. So we rang him up, and it was about $75 worth. And then the lady behind him, she, I don't think she knew really what was going on, but she said, do you need some other things? And he said, no. And he was crying. He said, no, I, I'm fine. And she, she took him into the store. She said, let's go, buy some, let's, go, let's go look. Let's go buy some other things. I don't know how much she ended up buying for him. But she went through, and she got him some things. And when that young man left, his arms were full of packages and wrapping paper. And he came over, and I didn't want to be there when he left because I didn't want to make a big scene about it, make him feel bad. But he came over to the office, and he knocked on the door, and he was crying. And he said, thank you so much for doing this for me. He said, I can't believe this has happened. And his name is Sean. And I said, Sean, please. I said, please don't do anything on Christmas Eve to go to jail. I said, go home and wreck your gifts. And I had a $25 gift card to my in my purse for a friend for uh, Walmart, and I said, I said one more thing. I said, I gave him a gift card, and I said, go to Walmart and get you some something for Christmas dinner. I said, I don't know what your situation is, but sure, you can pick up something. And he cried, and he left. He said, I just can't believe this is happening, and he left. And if I had not, if my assistant had not been late, I would, I would not got, I would have missed this completely. I would miss this opportunity. And don't, don't want anyone to ever tell me there's not a God. There is a God. And he works in the most amazing way. And he's touched me today out of the blue. And I, I'm not even a real religious person. <laughs> That's the end. My point on that, you guys, is you may think you're like that man and you've got to like make your own world work out or steal or you're focused on your circumstances, but God had a solution for him that he didn't expect, right? And it touched him and it touched the lady behind him and it touched this woman who made the, the Facebook video. And my point is, you guys, God is on the throne and he's doing that all the time. Whether we see it or not, whether we're just focused on our own pain or the pain of other people, God is working things out all the time, and we don't see how he does it. And he's working it out, so he's going to touch a bunch of different people's lives all at the same time. And so what we're going to go ahead and learn for this next year, you guys, is that remember that God is good. We're going to remember what he's done, and then we're going to remember that he's on the throne. These are going to be our Bill of Rights whatever we want to call it, for our kingdom. And we're, we're going to begin to live 
that way, as if those things are true. We're going to remember, we're going to remind each other of these things. Is that fair? Okay. So I'd like to just finish tonight with um, Silent Night, and that's going to be our way of just celebrating the birth of Jesus and how he's broken into our world. Christ the Savior is 
Born Christ the Savior. 